This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. This episode is brought to you by Kia's first three-row all-electric SUV, the Kia EV9, with available all-wheel drive and seating for up to seven adults. With zero to 60 speed that thrills you one minute and available lounge seats that unwind you the next. Visit kia.com slash EV9 to learn more. Ask your Kia dealer for availability. No system, no matter how advanced, can compensate for all driver error and or driving conditions. Always drive safely. Twitter's most iconic symbol, the light blue bird logo, seems to be facing the twilight, going the way of the dodo, if you will. The decision to retire the bird, which has been at the center of the company's brand since its inception in 2006, marks the latest in a series of dramatic changes under Elon Musk, the platform's owner. Musk, 52 years old now, the founder of Tesla and SpaceX, announced via his personal Twitter account, x.com now points to twitter.com. Interim X logo goes live later today. His post, at once cryptic and clear, signify the impending end of the familiar bird logo. Soon we shall bid adieu to the Twitter brand and gradually all the birds, he added in a later tweet. These words echo his ambition to redefine the social media giant into something that's all-encompassing. Now, the distinctive bird logo traces its origins back to Twitter's founding, when the company purchased a stock symbol of a light blue bird for $15, as reported by design website Creative Block. And Twitter's name itself is a whimsical allusion to the sound of birds chattering. Now, however, the future of the platform appears devoid of these avian reverences. Musk's connection to the X symbol is not new, though. In 1999, he founded X.com, a company that later evolved into PayPal, one of the world's leading online payment platforms. Now, when Musk, famously known for his ambitious ventures in electric vehicles and space exploration, took over Twitter last year, he dubbed it an accelerant to creating X, the everything app. Now, this statement gives us a hint of Musk's grand vision to the future of Twitter. Following this direction, Twitter's parent company was subsequently named X Corporation. Now, the decision to swap Twitter's familiar bird logo with a new one raised eyebrows in the business community. Elon Musk said, if a good enough X logo is posted tonight, we'll go live worldwide tomorrow. That's what Musk said, pushing the logo change through at a surprisingly fast pace. And in another statement, he spoke of cutting the Twitter logo off the building with blowtorches, possibly referring to the removal of the old signage from Twitter's San Francisco headquarters. Musk's moves have not been without controversy, though. In the six months since the $44 billion acquisition, he's shaken the Twitter world, despite Twitter's brand toolkit still recognizing the light blue bird as its most recognizable asset. Musk has shown his commitment to charging a new path for the social media giant. Yet, this hasn't translated into instant success. Fidelity marked down its holding in Twitter by two-thirds in May, and Kathy Wood's ARK Investment Management also reduced its stake by 47%, as reported by the Wall Street Journal. Now, to counter the challenges, Musk has set out to revitalize Twitter's revenue streams, primarily focusing on optimizing advertising, 
Earlier this year in March, he announced plans to enhance the relevance of Twitter's ads, projecting the platform would break even on a cash flow basis in quarter two. However, the reality proved otherwise as Twitter's cash flow remained in the red. Musk attributed this to a roughly 50% drop in advertising revenue and the company's substantial debt load. Further iterating on his rebranding plans, Musk revealed that Twitter would soon sport an X logo accompanied by a significant color scheme change. He initiated a user poll to change default platform color to black and even hinted at a potential logo design stating like this, but X above an illustration of the iconic bird silhouette against a black backdrop. Elon Musk's unconventional leadership style has been a subject of much debate. Now, he continues to make headlines with his decisions at Twitter and his personal Twitter account once known for his innovative updates on SpaceX and Tesla, has now transformed into a live chronicle of his overhaul of Twitter. The once playful, bird-loving platform is evolving under Musk, and whether this transformation leads to a triumphant flight or a crash landing remains to be seen. Could this be the rise of a new phoenix? However, amid all the upheavals, Musk has not shied away from addressing the challenging financial situation facing Twitter. He has openly warned that the platform might face bankruptcy risk, a sentiment underscored by the platform's persistent negative cash flow due to a significant drop in advertising revenue and the subsequent debt load. Move to replace Twitter's long-standing bird logo signifies more than just a design change. It represents a shift in identity, philosophy, and perhaps destiny for Twitter. With Elon Musk is at the helm and he's steering Twitter or now X into a new chapter in its history. We're going to switch gears from Twitter to Tesla now. And on Friday, a U.S. federal appeals court indicated its readiness to reassess a recent decision condemning Tesla CEO Elon Musk for his purported violation of federal labor laws. The violation reportedly came about in 2018 through Musk's tweet suggesting that employees could lose stock options if they chose to join a union. This reconsideration was triggered by the Fifth U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals based in New Orleans. It granted Tesla's request to revisit the case, agreeing to engage a panel comprising its 16 active judges. End bank review is a significant procedural move, typically implying that the court believes the course possesses substantial importance or the initial decision might have been incorrect. Earlier in March, a three-judge panel from the same court had upheld a National Labor Relations Board, or the NLRB, ruling. The NLRB held that Musk's tweet on May 20th, 2018 constituted an unlawful threat with potential discouraging impacts on unionization efforts at Tesla. As per this ruling, Musk was directed to delete the offending tweet. The tweet came into focus when the United Auto Workers Union was seeking to organize employees at Tesla's plant located in Fremont, California. To organize employees at Tesla's plant located in Fremont, California. Now, Musk's tweet read, Nothing stopping Tesla team at our car plant from voting union. Could do so tomorrow if they wanted, he wrote. But why pay union dues and give up stock options for nothing? The appeals court's panel identified substantial evidence that the tweet posed an implied threat to end stock options as retaliation for unionization. Now, arguing for a reconsideration, Tesla raised free speech concerns arguing that the NLRB disregarded several key factors. Firstly, no employees alleged that Musk's tweet threatened them. Secondly, Musk didn't intend to threat anyone. Finally, Musk later clarified that his tweet wasn't intended as a threat. At the time of the report, both the NLRB and Tesla, along with their legal teams, haven't responded for any of our comments. 
Now, the final decision on the case isn't expected before 2024, though. It's important to note that out of the 16 active judges on the appeals court, 12 were appointed by Republican presidents, potentially influencing the ideological balance of the bench. This isn't the first time that Musk's Twitter activities have landed him in legal hot water, though. In August 2018, he tweeted about having, quote, funding secured for taking Tesla private. This resulted in a U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission lawsuit, as the funding claim turned out to be false. Subsequently, Musk and Tesla had to collectively pay $40 million in civil fines to settle the lawsuit. Now, despite these legal tangles, Musk's business empire remains unscathed. As per Forbes magazine, Musk's fortune stands at $236.4 billion, making him the second richest person globally. In an unexpected move last October, he acquired Twitter for $44 billion, stirring a new era of leadership for the social media giant. And the forthcoming reconsidering of Musk's case presents a fresh opportunity for the tech mogul to defend his stance. It remains to be seen how this unprecedented legal battle unfolds and its potential impact on unionization efforts within the tech industry are. Now, regardless of the outcome, though, the case underscores the rising tension between the tech labor movements and industry leaders in the today we're going to be looking into a significant development in the electric vehicle space that's going to transform the North American landscape. It's a new comprehensive electric vehicle charging network set to span across the United States and Canada. This is a joint venture backed by some of the largest players in the auto industry, including BMW, General Motors, Honda, Hyundai, Kia, Mercedes-Benz, and Stellantis. These industry leaders are coming together with the aim of making EV charging as convenient as possible for users. And this will revolutionize how we charge our EVs. Now, in addition to that, We'll also be discussing Rivian, another EV maker. Now, this is about the CEO of Rivian, and they share their perspective on companies that are truly committed to renewable energy and the importance of consumers understanding the source of their power consumption, where everything comes from. We'll take a little dive into that and also the future of EV charging. So there's a lot to uncover in today's episode, and I promise that it'll be a nice, thought-provoking discussion that you won't want to miss. So stay with us. We'll take a quick break for some important messages from our sponsors, and we'll be back to delve deeper into these developments in the electric vehicle industry. All right. Welcome back, everybody. This is a major step for electrification in the auto industry. This is a global consortium of automakers comprising of BMW, General Motors, Honda, Hyundai, Kia, Mercedes-Benz, and Solantis, and this is a joint venture to build a comprehensive EV charging network across the U.S. and Canada. This is a formidable grouping, currently unnamed, they don't have a name yet, and they pledge to erect user-friendly DC fast chargers along the highways and within urban environments of the U.S. and Canada. This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall rock climbing Libra and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. The plan aims to install at least 30,000 high-speed EV chargers by 2030, with the initial ones set to become operational by the summer of 2024 in the U.S. Now, to fulfill this goal, 
This group intends to harness the National Electric Vehicle Infrastructure, or the NEVI funding in the U.S., and draw from both private and public funding at the state and federal levels. So they're getting the government and the taxpayers to pay for most of this. And the current EV charging landscape is mainly Tesla superchargers and Electrify America stations dotted all across the United States. Now, these stations are typically installed in strategic locations where people can shop, they can go out to eat, or they can use restrooms. And in line with this, the proposed new chargers will be positioned along routes leading to holiday destinations and within major city limits. Now, these new charging stations promise seamless connection and charging capabilities for EV models manufactured by the partner automakers. This eliminates the need for consumers to navigate between different charging station applications, thereby ensuring a smooth user experience. The venture also seems to incorporate the emerging plug and charge standard that the Federal Highway Administration is striving to standardize. Mary Barra, the CEO of General Motors, voiced her support for the initiative, saying, the better experience people have, the faster EV adoption will grow. She pointed to the current issue plaguing many charging networks, which require unique apps and suffer from reliability concerns. Notably, Tesla's supercharger network, hailed as among the best globally, will accommodate vehicles from automakers including Ford, GM, Volvo, and more, all without necessitating activation via an app. In line with global sustainability initiatives, the joint venture plans to have its operation fully powered by renewable energy. Although it's unclear whether the renewable energy will directly power the stations or whether the companies will purchase credits, this eco-conscious approach is indicative of the industry's increasing shift towards sustainable practices. Now, Canadians, our great neighbors to the north, will have to wait until a later stage before the initial charging stations are installed. All stations will include standardized Tesla North American Charging Standard Ports, the NACS, and the widely used Combined Charging System Plugs, the CS. This announcement comes at a time when the environmental credentials of companies are under scrutiny. Now, the Rivian CEO expresses frustration at companies overstating their green achievements. He believes consumers can't discern the difference and the companies often hide the true source of their power consumption. He said, this is just so conceptually complex. Drawing a clear line between companies that invest in renewable energy to offset their emissions and those who merely want to pay a teeny little incremental amount more to get the ability to pat themselves on the back and say we're using renewable energy. That's what they said. Now, they position Rivian as a company that aspires not only to offset its own carbon emission, but also to contribute to the creation of new renewable energy capabilities. This commitment led him to support the development of a new solar energy center in Kentucky built atop a former coal mine. Now, the mine, Starfire, once bustling with miners hauling millions of tons of coal annually, is set to be transformed into a solar farm aiming to generate 800 megawatts of energy, enough to power 160,000 homes per year. Bright Knight, a company based in Florida, which is a solar company, is additionally constructing a 10-mile transmission line to add another gigawatt of power capabilities in the future. Rivian has committed to purchasing 100 megawatts of energy from the project under a virtual power purchase agreement, the PA, which means the power is clean energy. 
and it won't directly power Rivian's electric vehicles or its corporate infrastructure. However, it will contribute to powering up to 450 million miles of renewable driving every year. Now, the commitment to renewable energy doesn't stop with Rivian, though. Other automakers like Solantis and Mercedes-Benz have also signed onto virtual PPAs to help meet their sustainability goals. Now, virtual PPAs are growing in popularity amongst American corporations. And in 2021, corporations purchased a record 31.1 gigawatts of clean energy, which was over 10% of all new renewable energy capabilities added worldwide that year. Tech giants like Amazon, Meta, Microsoft, and Google accounted for more than half of those agreements. Now, the Rivian CEO asserted that without these virtual PPAs, many renewable energy projects wouldn't even get off the ground. The commitment to the purchase power for these projects ensures their financial viability and their completion. And Rivian's commitment to the solar project in Kentucky shows that they're in it for the long haul. Rivian also champions transparency and reporting environmental impact. It's striving to achieve scope three neutrality. This is an objective that means the company aims to eliminate all indirect emissions from its supply chain and the life cycle of the EVs it produces. Moreover, Rivian plans to offer a package allowing drivers to match their charging, regardless of location, with renewable energy. Now, this commitment to offsetting carbon emissions positions Rivian as an industry leader in the shift towards renewable energy. Now, this collective venture of global automakers to build this new EV charging network is a huge move, and this will electrify an eco-conscious future for the automotive industry. Now, the commitments towards renewable energy signals a shift towards sustainable practices in the automotive sector that we've never seen before, and hopefully will help promote wider EV adoption in the future. Thank you so much for listening to the Elon Musk podcast today. I really do appreciate your support, and I appreciate you spending your time here with me today. If you could take a second and please hit the subscribe or follow button on your podcast platform of choice, I'd greatly appreciate it. It helps out the show a lot. So thanks so much, everybody. Please take care of yourselves and each other, and I will see you in the next one. And in this update, we're going to be the Starship program. And after the initial Starship launch ended in a dramatic explosion above the Gulf of Mexico, the company's forward momentum has stalled on the launch front. Three months have passed since the incident, and the company is yet to submit a final accident report to the Federal Aviation Administration, or the FAA. Now, this indicates that the rocket program remains grounded for now, and a second launch may not happen this summer, unlike what Elon Musk has said. Now, overseeing the investigation into April 20th launch, the FAA stated on Wednesday that it still awaits the critical report that will identify the necessary corrective measures SpaceX must undertake before gaining clearance for another launch from Boca Chica, Starbase, Texas. And an FAA spokesperson avoided conjecture regarding the potential completion date for the agency's investigation, explaining that public safety and actions yet to be taken by SpaceX will dictate the timeline. Now, according to the FAA, any return to flight operations will only be sanctioned when it is determined that any system, process, or procedure related to the mishap does not affect public safety or any other aspect of the operator's license. Now, they emphasize that the mishap investigation is still ongoing, though. Now, adding to the situation's complexity, SpaceX is also trying to modify its current license, which was suspended after the first launch. Now, despite these regulatory roadblocks, though, Elon Musk 
and SpaceX are projecting a swift return to launching operations. The company, which is held privately, has been showcasing repairs to its orbital launch mount. Now, this facility sustained significant damage from Starship's first launch, raising public safety and environmental concerns. The rocket, after a chaotic liftoff and loss of control, was annihilated over the Gulf of Mexico. And while dealing with the aftermath, SpaceX has made enhancements to its launch site. Among the new additions is a steel plate designed to shield the pad in future test launches. Last week, the company shared on Twitter that it transported a new super heavy booster prototype to the pad for testing ahead of flight. Now, continuing its updates on Monday, SpaceX revealed that it has completed propellant load tests on two different boosters, Booster 9 and Booster 10. Images displayed the boosters glazed with frost after being filled with liquid methane and liquid oxygen. The absence of a completed investigation report and the FAA approval for another launch suggests that Musk's timeline for resuming test flights may be overly optimistic. Musk, who's also responsible for Tesla, the boring company Neuralink operations, as well as Twitter, has stated on June 13th that the Starship would be ready for another launch within six to eight weeks, aligning with the end of July or early August timeframe. A SpaceX Starship, the world's most powerful rocket, was launched from its Starbase facility at Boca Chica on April 20th of this year. It managed to clear the launch tower, which Elon Musk said was a hope at most, and it reached an altitude of 24 miles above Earth before culminating in an uncontrolled explosion over the Gulf of Mexico. At liftoff, though, the rocket's 33 Raptor engines fired up, but there were only 31 that were actually firing, and they also fired chunks of concrete and metal from the launch site across 385 acres, igniting wildfires and kicking up a dust storm of pulverized concrete, scattering debris, possibly up to 6.5 miles away from the launch site. Musk conceded the launch had caused an unforeseen rock tornado under the Starship Super Heavy's booster stage during liftoff, and despite the havoc, he insisted there were no significant environmental damage. And since the launch, SpaceX's progress at the launch compound has been closely monitored. And since the three months that Starship debuted, SpaceX has made a huge amount of progress on the hardware of the boosters and the ships, and also on the launch site ground systems down at Starbase Boca Chica, Texas. Now, despite the optimism, SpaceX still has legal hurdles to overcome before resuming flight testing from Starbase. Along with the FAA, SpaceX is a co-defendant in a federal lawsuit contesting the FAA's initial approval of the Starship launch program, and the suit was filed by environmental and indigenous groups that challenged the FAA's review and approval of SpaceX's plans. The plaintiffs are pushing for the agency to carry out an environmental impact statement, a process that could potentially ground the rocket program for many years to come. Now, the suit alleges that the F approval violated federal laws, including the National Environmental Policy Act, due to an adequate consideration of potential harm to wildlife. The F and SpaceX have largely denied these allegations in court filings and have requested the lawsuit's dismissal. SpaceX is the most valuable aerospace and defense company in the United States. And the company has asked to intervene in the lawsuit, citing a direct subsequential economic interest. Now, Musk has stated that SpaceX has invested $3 billion since 2014 in developing the Starbase facility. And the facility is pivotal to the company's growth, though, with plans to use Starship for launching more Starlink satellites into orbit and returning NASA astronauts to the moon with the Artemis 3 program. Musk also has ambitions to use the reusable rocket 
to transport human beings to Mars for the first time. Now, after the initial Starship launch, Musk did edit this out. After the initial Starship launch, Musk said he expected to spend an additional $2 billion on the rocket program, hoping to attempt at least five launches by the end of 2023. However, the test is in limbo right now, and NASA has actually voiced concern over SpaceX's ability to have its lunar lander version of Starship ready in time to carry astronauts to the moon, according to the space agency schedule. In early June, NASA indicated that its Artemis III moon mission, originally planned for late 2025, is likely to be postponed until 2026 due to SpaceX's complications with the Starship program. NASA's associate administrator, Jim Free, commented on the situation. They said, with the difficulties that SpaceX has had, that's really concerning. Meta Platforms, who is led by CEO Mark Zuckerberg, is strategizing on how to boost user retention on the recent launch of Threads, the direct rival of Twitter. Now, the text-based social media app experienced a significant user drop-off following its highly anticipated debut, according to a statement by Zuckerberg during an internal town hall on Thursday. Despite a fall-off in engagement, the company's leadership noted that the user retention rate is above expectations, although not without room for improvement. And the app experienced a surge of signups at launch, with numbers exceeding 100 million, though retaining these users proved very challenging for Meta. Zuckerberg stated, We have more than 100 million people sign up, and it would be incredible if all of them or even half of them stuck around. We are not there yet. Nonetheless, the CEO termed this drop-off as a normal trend in app usage following the initial excitement of a new product launched. He further predicted an increase in user retention as a company plans to introduce new features to Threads soon. This includes a desktop version of the app and advanced search functionality to enhance user experience. Now, striving to implement more retention-driving hooks, Meta aims to encourage users to continuously engage with the app. One proposed strategy was mentioned by the company's chief product officer, Chris Cox, who suggested integrating threads with Instagram, ensuring important threads are visible to Instagram users. The company, however, declined to comment further on that matter. Now, Meta's executives shared their insights a day after presenting an optimistic growth revenue forecast that impressed investors, signifying a potential turnaround for the tech company. Now, the firm faced criticism over its substantial investment in the metaverse in 2020, an investment that coincided with a downturn in advertisement sales. This revenue forecast disclosure boosted Meta shares by 8% on Thursday, indicating renewed investor confidence. Now, Zuckerberg expressed optimism about the company's progress in developing augmented and virtual reality technologies that will power the metaverse. He affirmed that they were not significantly ahead, but progressing as planned. The CEO highlighted the importance of investing in these technologies early, especially given the competition from tech giants like Apple, Google, and Microsoft. Zuckerberg said, we have to have all the tools ready for when this is ready for prime time. The company also drew attention to its artificial intelligence model Llama 2, which was released earlier this month. It is freely available for commercial use to any developer with services having fewer than 700 million users. And according to Cox, the model has already received over 150,000 download requests in the week following its release. Following its record-breaking launch, Threads has faced dwindling user engagement. However, rival Elon Musk, who acquired Twitter last year, should not start celebrating quite yet. On Wednesday, Zuckerberg shared Meta's comprehensive plan to enhance Threads, 
and eventually overpower Twitter in the social media landscape. He said, we have a lot of basic work to do. Now, the CEO highlighted the importance of testing and introducing features that users enjoy while simultaneously ensuring that these features encourage consistent app usage. And Zuckerberg also pointed out that while Threads had seen a user drop-off, its monetization was not an immediate concern. The focus for now was on scaling the user base to hundreds of millions. Threads emerge as an alternative to Twitter, especially following Musk's radical changes to the platform after his $44 billion acquisition. And this caused a portion of Twitter's user base to seek other platforms for real-time online conversations. Developed in less than six months with a team of just 15 engineers, Threads recorded over 100 million users within a week of its launch, an unprecedented achievement for a social media app. And despite the current lull in user engagement, Meta remains optimistic about Thread's future. The company plans to introduce several updates in the coming months and years. One recent update includes a follow content feed. Now, discussing Meta's track record and standalone app development, Zuckerberg acknowledged the company's limited success beyond original services like Facebook and acquired platforms like Instagram and WhatsApp. And taking cues from venture capital strategies, where several investments are made with only a few yielding substantial returns, he suggested that threads could be their rare success. The CEO attributed the opportunity to the controversial changes on Twitter under Musk's leadership. He said, I'm optimistic about where we are, and it's a long road ahead. There's a journey for Zuckerberg and the threads team, and that journey is to have the first social discourse app to reach 1 billion users. And a huge, huge announcement from TikTok, the social media giant. They've unveiled a feature that permits users to post text-only content. This marks a significant milestone for TikTok, opening up a whole new channel of communication and storytelling for its community of video makers. Now, the strategic move, widely regarded as a challenge directly to Elon Musk's rebranded social media venture X, which is previously known as Twitter, places the Chinese app at the forefront of the dynamic digital world's evolution. And as of Monday, TikTok's creators have an additional string to their bow of content creation capabilities. The new feature allows creators to opt for a text-only format in their posts. This pioneering change aligns perfectly with TikTok's missions to broaden options for creators and facilitate their creative process along the way. It provides them with more freedom and flexibility in how they share their ideas. A representative from TikTok said, Text posts are a game-changing feature, expanding the boundaries of content creation for everyone at TikTok. And they aim to give the written creativity, which was once confined to the margins and comments, captions, and within the videos themselves, now they have a dedicated space on the platform. In this modern era where video and image content predominantly command attention, TikTok's latest update is a testament to the company's recognition of the power and appeal of the written word. The platform has always been a powerhouse of creative content, with users leveraging its tools to share personal stories, choreograph dances, comedic skits, and much more. And the introduction of text posts only extends this creative range, facilitating new ways for users to share everything from poignant stories to recipes to poems. Now, TikTok's text post feature offers a simple and straightforward creation process. Users can navigate to the camera page, which previously offered photo and video content creation options. Alongside these options, sits a new text option, and selecting this directs the user to a dedicated text creation page where they can pour their thoughts and creativity into the text of their posts. 
Now, despite the textual focus, the new text posts are by no means static or dull. On the post page, users can discover a host of enhancement options to make their text posts as dynamic or interactive as their video or photo posts. They can add sound to their text posts, a feature that keeps true to TikTok's core experience and can elevate the post tone or the mood. Location tagging and enabling comments and duets make the text posts interactive, while stickers and a variety of background colors add a visual element, making the text posts appealing and distinctive. And perhaps one of the best features of this new iteration is a direct challenge to Musk's X. It's the ability for text posts to include tags and hashtags. Users can tag other TikTok accounts, a valuable tool for collaborative content creation or to credit sources or inspiration. And the hashtags allow creators to connect their content with trending topics or threads, increasing the reach and visibility within the broader TikTok community. TikTok, owned by Chinese multinational technology company ByteDance, has been soaring in popularity across the globe. And in contrast, Musk's takeover of Twitter, now known as X, in October has been tumultuous. His tenure has witnessed a wave of layoffs, a precipitous drop in advertising revenue, and a series of controversial changes to the platform's verification policy, stirring unease within the company's platform and the user base. Now, the landscape of social media platforms is evolving, and companies relentlessly innovate to retain their users and attract new ones, and the launch of TikTok's text-only post feature may, therefore, come as a significant blow to Musk and X as it gives TikTok a considerable edge in terms of user engagement and content diversity. However, the challenges that Musk faces do not end with TikTok. Meta, Facebook's parent company, has recently made its foray into the social media rivalry with a launch of Threads, a new platform that seems to have struck a chord with users worldwide. Now, the site reported a staggering 100 million user signups in its inaugural week, signaling a potentially disruptive player in the social media domain. Meanwhile, in the midst of these significant shifts, Musk initiated a new chapter for Twitter on Monday, rebranding it as X, complete with a fresh website domain and a new logo. And it's yet unclear what impact this rebranding will have on the platform's user base and its future growth. However, it certainly cements the notion that the world of social media is still in a state of flux, and these platforms must constantly innovate to stay relevant and competitive. Talk's text post feature while seeming simple at first glance, could have far-reaching implications for the platform and the social media landscape as a whole. By acknowledging and celebrating the power of the written word, TikTok may inspire a new wave of creators who prefer expressing themselves through text. And for the community of writers, poets, critics, and thinkers who might have found the video-centric nature of TikTok daunting or ill-fitting to their mode of expression, this is a welcome change. And at the same time, for existing TikTok creators, the feature adds another layer to their content creation abilities. They can now complement their videos with written content, providing more context, reflections, or narrative to their followers. This can potentially enhance the engagement and resonance of their content. Now, TikTok's latest innovation reiterates its commitment to empowering creators and enhancing the user experience over there. As the platform steps into the textual content sphere, it remains to be seen how it will compete with X and Meta's threads. Now, these innovations will continue to happen and these platforms will continue to compete for the foreseeable future and the race is on for the most dominant social media platform on the planet. Thank you so much for listening to the show today. I appreciate all of you out there. So please 
If you could take a second and hit the subscribe or follow button on whatever podcast platform you're on right now. Greatly appreciate the help. We're going to be talking about Starbase. We're going to be talking a little bit about Falcon Heavy and the upcoming mission on the 26th. And we're also going to be talking about SpaceX and whatever comes to our mind. So first, there's nothing happening at Starbase. No, no testing happening at Starbase. (laughs) Nothing happening at Starbase. There's a bunch of stuff happening at Starbase, but there's no testing larger testing like cryogenic testing or things that could close down the roadways for the foreseeable future closures were canceled for the 24th and the 25th of this week so we're going to be moving on hopefully to maybe later this week i'm not 100 sure about that but they already did some testing on booster and they've already done a bunch of testing on the ship so it seems like the next step would be to maybe i don't even know what the next step would be because they have the whole deluge system they have the olm is revamped there's so many things that could happen and we don't know the procedure for that anymore yeah in the last week we've seen testing on chip 25 we've seen testing on boosters 9 and 10 the orbital launch mount also got tested fully so we've seen the deluge system we've or like the new plane at the bottom we've seen the quick disconnects both of them working the obviously the chopsticks are working because they lifted up booster 9 to put it on the launch mount so it seems like it's a fully functional stage zero. It looks like it. Yeah, it seems like they're in a spot where they could, where they know more now than they did before the first launch. It seems like they've got the processes figured out. They mm-hmm. have, they've streamlined a lot of the processes because they need to be able to crank these things out. They want to launch two or three a day at some point. Well, so that'd be nice to see that. That would be insane. I but, wouldn't yeah. even know what to think at that point. Yeah, it's pretty impressive to watch how the last, what, three months, I guess it's been or so since the first one, since the first orbital attempt. Yeah. And all the changes, and they're coming out of this way stronger than they went into it. And it should be really interesting to see. And as is typical with SpaceX, once they do something once, they know they've got it and they move on to the next thing. So they've already launched this once. It didn't make it to orbit, had some issues, but they've already done it once. So they know what they're doing. And now they're just moving on to what the next stage, whatever that is, fixing the orbital launch mount and all those things, Trent looking into the hot fire situation, which I'm not exactly sure how that's going to pan out in the end, but we'll see. Yeah. yeah the separate, the stage separation is going to be the most exciting part. The launch, I think they're going to be okay. I don't know. We're not 100% sure if they're going to be okay with that one. But the stage separation is going to be wild. But it's going to, if the engineers and everybody at SpaceX thinks that's the way to go, it seems like a really proper way to separate this thing because it is freaking massive. Yeah. Do you know how, do you know if Booster 9 and Ship 25 are set up for that? I don't believe they are. I don't believe they're set up for separation. Elon said something about it in a tweet, but I'm not exactly sure what he said about it or what booster or ship will be the first separation like that. It might be, they might've already set it up, but I like, I've seen all the pictures and the videos and things of the booster. I'm pretty the, sure, but I I'm don't, pretty sure it's still in development stage. I don't yeah. Think I, these two vehicles are designed for it. Yeah. It seems like a new thing where they're like, yeah. Ooh, that didn't work. Well, they'll probably want to test that at Massey's or something. They'll want to yeah. test a hot fire on the dome to make sure that it's not going to melt through or whatever. Yeah, I'm so trying to get a, like a top view. Yeah. 
But I don't believe that. I don't believe these are set up for sure. Yeah, I don't think so either. Like you and I were talking before the broadcast started about the massiveness of this rocket and how, like how big, and I always say it, like every time I get online, I'm like, this thing's friggin' huge. Yeah. But this shows, think about how big your car is and how big you are. And then look at the scale of this compared to a vehicle, like just a regular sure. car. Yeah. It's absolutely massive. So absolutely getting, massive. it's so crazy. It's, it still blows my mind. Like I've seen it in person, so I know how big it is, but it just even seeing pictures of it, I'm like, okay, this reminds me how big massive it is to just think about launching a skyscraper. They're basically launching okay. a skyscraper to sure. orbit. And how do they do that? 33 Raptor engines. And that works. <laughs> like, that's a lot of fuel. That's a lot of awful lot of fuel, awful lot of thrust. And they yeah. made it off the pad last time. So the deluge yeah. system was tested. We know that. We know the deluge system was tested. And it, do you think they're going to do a static fire with the deluge system to test the deluge and the static fire at the same time? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I was just thinking about that. Well, before we went on as well. Yeah, I think that every static fire from a booster from now on will have the deluge running. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, I think it's ongoing testing as well as protection of the launch map. Yeah. Term. And as yeah. long as obviously the deluge system works and it doesn't completely need to rip it apart. Let me get to the concrete blast. <laughs> Just skip real, real quick back to how big this thing is. Rocket Future, Andrew C. At the Rocket Future on Twitter, you can see a person this is even this is like a quarter of the way up this thing yeah and what a beautiful shot of, a great shot yeah and i don't even understand how these people have the nerve to get into this lift for one because <laughs> i'm afraid yeah. of heights but two and then they have to do like one of the world's most complicated engineering feats so they have the pressure of oh yeah i'm 150 feet off the ground or whatever so i have to do these things that are crucial to get this thing off the ground and not blow up so yeah obviously that's the rocket garden i'm not sure exactly yeah. what ship he's working on my guess is this booster 10 i don't know why they would be having anybody up on one of the retired boosters if you will yeah my guess is that's booster 10 but i haven't confirmed that you just saw that picture just before we got on yeah shout out shot. to anybody that goes up in these things and shout out to andrew c from the rocket future for taking beautiful yeah. shots awesome repeatedly shot at Starbase. So at the rocket future on Twitter, go follow him. Awesome dude. And also awesome shots. Booster nine, like we said, was lifted up onto the launch mount. What a beautiful shot too. Like how cool is this? Yeah. Gorgeous. But they shot. got the shot from below and also all the stars mm -hmm. above in the sky. It's such a cool shot and the lighting on the launch mount, it makes it look just illuminated and amazing. And chopstick, as you said before, they work. Which is Apparently. great. Apparently, they seem to be working fine. As can you notice the there's some cladding at the bottom of the launch tower too. See that there's some. It looks like there's some reinforcements at the for sure. Yeah, at the tower. It looks like yeah they figured that was something always out. the plan. Actually, was to clad the yeah. entire tower in something. Whether it was going to be as protective as this is, I don't know. But so this certainly seems to be protective. I love this shot because it looks like there's camo drawn all all over the starship because of the shadows. <laughs> I didn't even uh, notice the that. Booster, I should say it looks yeah. like it looks really futuristic. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, I didn't even They're notice really... that. Wow. Yeah, and then there's another one they have from a little bit different angle. 
But yeah, it's still the Texas night sky, which is absolutely beautiful. Mm. That's one thing that I can say about my time down there is that you could see all the stars. Oh yeah. Everything. If, because it was 25 miles away from Brownsville and everything else, you could look up and you could see everything. I would spend some nights Beautiful. down there just to get away from the lights of the city. And I would just go to the beach late at night, just hang out, look at the rocket and just stare up at the stars. I would just lay on. I didn't really lay on the sand because it's, you get sand everywhere. And of yeah. course it's just <laughs> Anakin knows it's sand good gets as everywhere. It gets everywhere. Yeah. And it's coarse. <laughs> it's coarse. <laughs> so I lay on my car like late at night, look up at the sky and just look over. Oh yeah, there's a big rocket there too. But it's a beautiful place. Yeah. And it's a great place to launch a rocket too. Yeah. What a great shot though. We're getting into the beauty of all of this as well, because we're like, it's such a cool thing that Starship is going to be capable of in the future, bringing yeah. huge loads to space. And it's going to be, it's going to be wild what happens. I'm not sure whether it's actually going to happen. I don't know if it's actually going to happen, but once they've got this thing down pat and they're launching right, left and center. I hope that they put some attention to the aesthetics of it all. Oh, uh, certainly okay. it's a beautiful ship, all stainless steel and pretty, but it would be nice if we started seeing that science fiction future at some point, at once they've got, they're launching a hundred of these a month or whatever they do want to do, <laughs> they start to look into it and go, okay, how can we make this not only functional, but look really awesome as well? Cause that's one thing that society's lost, I think in the last. 30 years or so is that aesthetics of things. But we're so concerned about making things as cheap as possible that we've made it as, as industrial as possible as well. It'd be nice to get back to those sort of aesthetic values of the fifties where you've got the streamlining or shapes and whatnot. It'd be cool to see that come back. I didn't even think about that in the future. So do you think they would, do you think they would paint the whole rocket or do you think they would just slap a logo on it? Or what do you? How are you feeling about this? I don't know what I'm thinking. I, I don't know what it is, <laughs> okay. but maybe the cladding over some of the plumbing on the booster gets a little bit of a, a, a treatment where it's a little bit smoother or a little more aerodynamic. Ooh, okay. As opposed to the sort of square bulky look that we've got now. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not responsible for that. If they want me to be responsible for it, I'm available. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> for the moment, I hadn't put too much thought into it. Yeah, it, no, that sounds awesome. Yeah, and I'm just going back to, to we're discussing them putting the cladding up the tower, right? Yeah. It's in all the drawings, but they never did it. Little things like that are even one step closer. Plus we're talking about Starbase. He wants to build a city there, right? Yeah. That to, to support all the launches and construction and whatnot's going on down there in development. It'd be nice to see Starbase become a little bit more aesthetic than factory. Yeah. Yeah. I think. That'd be amazing. Make it a tourist destination. For uh, sure. Right yep. now it is, but it's like, you got to really be into this stuff to go down there. Yeah. You got to sacrifice a little bit to get down there. Yeah. I think it's something Kennedy Space Center, it's a, it's like Disney. A little bit. People go there just to go see rockets and stuff that are interested yeah. in space flight and engineering and maybe just like the unknown. People are like, hey, this is a giant rocket or hey, this is what Saturn does or whatever. There's engineering and science all over the place down there. So. The, I think this would be a really cool thing. Have tours of it when they're not actually launching or when they're not, when they're not testing, have a guided tour of the facility or something like that. I don't know if ITAR yeah. would allow that, but you could have a guided tour along the road 
and show people, hey, this is this bay does this. We're building this here, blah, blah, blah. It would also be really cool if they, they could even do that on their socials in, instead of having people down there in person. It would be really neat if Elon did a tour of everything like he did with Tim, the everyday astronaut, but he does it like for a produced video for SpaceX, which would be really cool. And to show, hey, this is what we do here now, but we want to do this here too. That'd be really interesting to see too. Absolutely. Or maybe have a manager or something. It doesn't have to be Elon, but Elon would get the most. It has to be Elon. Yeah. Uh, or one of his clones. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe Gwen could do it. That would be cool. Yeah. Yeah. They're not doing anything, right? Yeah. Gwen's not doing anything. She's not. You don't mind coming out and doing a tour for regular folk. Yeah. She's not building yeah. the future over there. Not at all. Yeah. Yeah. So the future of Starbase looks pretty bright in the next few. I don't know. So they're. So we were talking about the processes before and how they've streamlined everything, but. Do you think they've streamlined it to, to a better place where they could launch this in August? I reached out to a few people on Facebook or not on Facebook, but on, on YouTube and on Twitter and a little bit on discord. And here's one person, old gamer noob on YouTube said the way the ship was tested with an engine, st engine static fire right off the bat. And with the booster now having already been fully filled with cryogenic liquids. I'd venture they'll unify some tests and make quick work of things. The FAA will be the main holdup this time, I think. So I have to agree that I think the FAA is going to be the last step, of course. I'm going to do, I'm going to show that. There it is right there. Old gamer noob. Yeah, I believe I'm on record several places. Back when the first launch happened and we saw all the damage. I said the weekend of August 19th before our okay. launch, and okay. I still stand on that. I think we're still go on that, on a, a go on that. If the FAA gave them permission today, I think they could probably attempt the launch in a week. I think that they're at that stage. They need to static fire. They've already static fired 25 and they were happy. They didn't replace any Raptors and whatnot. Yep. They need to static fire nine, booster nine. Yep. And I think that they could be ready to go right after that, as long as everything was just, was operating as it was. I think the holdup again will be, as you say, the FAA. I think there was a lot of damage to the compound, but as well as the a lot of concrete spread over the area around the launch site. So I think that there's probably some concern there that they'll want to address and get answered. And then they're likely doing that already from the day it launched. I'm sure they've been talking to. Yeah, and giving reports on everything they're doing to repair things and whatnot and prevent it from happening again in the future. So I don't think it's going to be as long a wait for the FA to, to secure this, but I think it's just a matter of time. But yeah, I think that's a little less than a month uh, we'll be launching this thing. Wow. Yeah. I stay by it. I stand by it. I think you're pretty right. I'm going to venture to say it's going to be a little bit later, maybe September-ish, maybe. Elon, even Elon was like, yeah, middle of August, you can be ready by the middle of August. And like you said, they were talking to, the, they've been talking to the FAA probably an hour, like within hours of the last launch, within probably sure. minutes within the last launch, the FAA was probably on the horn. Hey, what yeah. just happened, buddy? <laughs> yeah. That just blew everything out there. And they had these steps in place before they launched the first one. And like, there's they been had lots of rockets over the years, lots of rockets over the years that have blown up on the launch pad. Yep. Causing all kinds of damage. Yep. It's just, a, this is just another one. Yeah. And this didn't blow up in launch pad. It blew up the launch pad. 
(laughs) (laughs) Same sort of deal, same kind of damage, probably, I would imagine. The only difference being that the tanks for all the cryogenic fluids and stuff are a little bit closer at the launch site than they are in the Cape, I believe. But so that's probably the big difference here. I think that the, it's just a matter of time to get past these things, but it's happened before. And you know what? They expected it to blow up in the sky and then they expected to get off the launch pad and the F knew that. So it's just a matter of satisfying them. And I think yep. that won't be hard at all. Yeah, I agree with you. I think they like, they're showing them all the data that they get as they get it. They're showing them how we're, they're mitigating the problems that were on the pad. And yeah. I think they'll just go, they'll breathe as much as they can. They'll breeze through this and then they'll be ready to launch. Now, if the water deluge system and the static fire, static fires work perfectly the first time, they may do like a seven static fire, like a seven engine and then the 14 or whatever, and then go to 21 and be yeah. like, can't static fire everything. So now we're going to launch it. And then they'll stack it up and do a fill test probably on both the rocket or the ship and the booster, maybe likely. And, yeah. And then launch it up one more time just to make sure yeah. all the systems work. And then yeah, remember, that, did they do a static fire with the ship with ship 24 on top of eight? I don't think so. No, I don't think they did. Yeah. They were just surprised. Running. They don't do, I'm surprised they don't do that to be honest. I am, but I'm also, I totally understand why they don't because if they do a static fire again, one, it's almost like they're wasting time, I think, because they've already done it. They've already tested those engines and they've already tested all the systems. The only system that they wouldn't be able to test without the ship on top was like, is the ship going to fall off the booster? Yeah. And, but that was part of the problem, right? Is that it didn't release. Yeah. So is there anything to be seen, observed from a static fire and how those lock pins work that's in place? I would like to see that. And they did it. They've already launched this once. We yep. talked about this earlier. SpaceX is very happy doing things once, having it work and moving on and saying, that's the way we're going to do it every time. Yep. They only, they've only really landed one ship successfully. Oh right? yeah, you're right. But they moved on. They immediately move on and <laughs> say, we've done it. We're good. We did it. Let's move on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then you're going to need to prove that again in my mind, but not in their minds. Apparently they've already launched this ship once in their minds. Is everything cool? Let's just go for it. Do they put 25 on top of nine and then static fire and then launch? Ooh. I don't think so. I don't think they need to. Yes. But as opposed to, I'm sorry, as opposed to static fire nine on its own. Ooh. Okay. Do they just jump to the launch basically? Okay. So this is, I think this could be an issue because if they static fire with the ship on top of the booster, could the ship get rattled, move out of place? They might have to readjust it. Which that's is better, the point which of doing, is, which is better than when it's in the air. Yeah, I think um, that's the whole point of static firing with the ship on top is to see that. That stuff. would make sense. Yeah, that would yeah. make a hundred percent sense. Will SpaceX do that? Probably not, <laughs> because they're just like it worked last time. We didn't do it last yeah. time and it seemed to work. I don't um, know. I can, I'm leaning more towards them, not static firing nine before the ship's on top, static firing it once and then launching. Oh, like a 20 something odd engine static fire, maybe. Yeah. Something like with that. the ship on top and this, Hey, it didn't fall and off. Saying, Let's go guys. Everything looks cool. Let's launch tomorrow. <laughs> yep. 
that makes more which is sense. What, which is the standard process for Falcon launch as well, right? They, yeah. Yeah. They put it on the thing, they static fire, and then the next day or two, they launch. Yeah. So the ship would be something like the, like a fairing or something on a regular, on a Falcon rocket. Yeah. Just the yeah. same thing. Just a huge fairing. It's a, it's a second <laughs> stage, right? Yeah. Second stage, gigantic <laughs> second stage. So that would make sense that they did that. I think um, that's where they want to get to. I yeah. think that's where you have they to would, get to eventually. It's, it skips what, like a week and a half of testing because they do a static fire. Then they like have to close down the roads. You have to get the data from that static fire. Wait about three days or so, refuel it. That makes way more sense. Way more sense. Will they do it for this one? With, yeah. yeah. I was about to say, <laughs> if not this one, then the next one, I, the next I bet one, they yeah. try and do it. Yeah. Yeah. I would love them. I didn't even think about that until you just said that. So my mind's going crazy. But it seems like they're just whisk, just whoop, like straight through all these tests. Mm-hmm. This happened real quick. They already yeah. had the booster. They already the ship. Yeah, there. everything is being tested at Massey's beforehand. Everything's getting ready to roll. I don't it's remember when it was fast. that. Yeah, I don't remember when it was that my fear went away that the ship was going to implode when they're doing a cryo test. Probably six, seven, maybe, or not seven, but maybe ship eight is when I started to think, okay, this thing's going to actually not going to implode and it's going to work and. I still, it boggles my mind that we're talking about four millimeters of, or five millimeters of stainless steel holding all this cryogenic fluid in place. Yeah. But at least I feel confident that it's not going to implode. That, uh, of course, speaking of explosions, huge. the test ship 727, you can see the dome, top dome of that imploded after the last testing. Which oh, is interesting. Yeah. That, that is interesting. They obviously were testing that to failure. They wanted that to happen. Yeah, I think an implosion is better than an explosion in that case. Yep. I think they're probably quite happy with the results of that. Yep. To the Whatever they were testing. Yeah. Whatever they were testing, new steel or new systems or whatever happened to be. Yeah. I think they're, yeah. And if they move past that, they'll have ship 28, ship 29. I don't even know how many ships are down there now. I have, I've lost count of which ships are down there and (laughs) which boosters are like readily available because I'm focusing on the ship that's going to launch. And the other stuff that's happening, it's super important, but also like it's off there somewhere. And I think that's where everybody else is at too, is that this is an amazing feat that will happen. Like you said, ship 10, ship 10 had, or not ship 10, but booster, they're doing the all sorts of boosters and ships and testing everything. It's like, how can Mm -hmm. I keep track of everything? (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> and I'll just I'll leave that they to probably SpaceX. Have a, an Excel spreadsheet. To be honest with you, they're, they're probably yeah, they're fine. They're fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know that they're building ship thirty right now. I believe it's they're stacking that, and it looks pretty slick. Okay, like it's starting to really look like they know what they're doing as far as the tiles go and all of that. It just happens now, and it's got a, it's got the that would be insane. Even I think know, it. it we need okay. to keep thinking that they're moving forward. We need to keep yeah. thinking that they're thinking, what's the next step? This next ship's going to make it to orbit. So next one after that, why don't we throw some Starlinks up? May as well. That makes They have to move forward with the Starlink program yep. as fast as possible. They need to make money. And getting X amount, what is it, like 10, I think, at, the, at this time for the regular yeah, like Falcon many, nine, yeah. Ten, yeah, Yeah, something like that for a Falcon launch. Like, they're like throwing away money at this point when they can mm-hmm. get like 20 or 30 in a starship. Uh, sure. So this one starship launch, even if it's an expendable starship, which is probably going to happen for the next 10 starships, 
and at least get some Starlinks up there and make the money back from the Starship launch. Yep. Uh, make that money back, fund Starship, and just keep going with it. And that's how they're going to fund the Starship program going forward is, I think, with the Starlink launches. And they also have, they have some customers like at bay, like just ready to launch on this thing. It's once it's ready to go. Once it's uh, proven. Yeah, once it's proven and they know that they can get satellites into orbit, they know they can get heavy, yeah. they need a heavy lift rocket to get some stuff up there. I wonder if we see, I wonder if we start to see satellite companies building flat satellites that could be just has dispensed, if you will, as opposed to the traditional box shape satellite, whether they start to compress them and make them fit out that door. I think a good idea. And maybe they can assemble themselves once they're launched or something like that. Yeah. Like a, the solar panels roll out and whatnot. Like how the James Webb telescope unfurled it. And yeah, exactly yeah. like that. It would certainly make everything less complicated. And you could put 15 Starlink and three regular satellites and this, that, and the other, just stack them in order in the start in the starship and keep launching them out as you need to. That'd be incredible. I'm trying to find at this point, remember they had a Pez, or they had a starship where the front opened, like I was trying to find that graphic, but I can't find it. That was what's in my head. I'm thinking, I wonder if that even makes sense anymore. I don't know. Unless, sure you're, unless you're perhaps collecting an old satellite to fix it or just to get rid of space junk or something like that. I wonder if that even makes sense anymore, whether the Pez dispenser is the way of the future for that sort of thing. Because how big of a satellite do you really need to launch these days with micro everything, right? Yeah. Um, this thing is still going to be, what's probably six meters wide, I would imagine, at the very least. Yeah. And who, and that's probably, I don't know how tall the pest dispenser is, but probably a meter at least, if not more. Yeah. So six meters by one meter and then unfurls to whatever size you need. I don't know that you need a satellite larger than that these days. Yeah, everything's smaller now. You yeah. can we have the world's you knowledge can do in your so hand. So much in these box satellites they're sending out, and the yeah, the CubeSats and everything. The CubeSats, like, yeah, that's what I meant to say. Same thing. <laughs> they're a box. <laughs> yeah. So speaking of satellites, this whole Star Starship thing is precursor predicated by the Falcon Heavy launch. So there's a readiness review happened for a target of Wednesday, July 26th for Falcon Heavy's launch of the Hughes Connects Jupiter 3 Echo Star 14 satellite. Why do they make these names so long? You got enough names? Come on, man. (laughs) Just can somebody... short of it, it's a communication satellite. Yeah. Yeah. It's a communication satellite. It's going to be the heaviest geostationary satellite ever launched at just over nine metric tons. Wow. Yeah. Size it is? Probably not. No, I don't think they, I don't think they gave us any but sort it fits of information. Inside, it fits inside the basically four meter wide, probably five meter wide fairing, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it's quite large. I'm sure yeah. it's nine metric tons. The thing is like nine tons for a satellite. What yeah. is in there? That's a, and this is supposed to be the graded all new technology, micro technology version of this, these types of satellites. This is the, obviously the state-of-the-art communication satellite. Interesting that it's still that big. <laughs> yeah, not nine tons. That's So how, what, a couple tons for a car? What, um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, five cars. Yeah, or maybe five cars. Yeah. That's how much it weighs. <laughs> What's in this thing? We don't know. 
Like how much technology can you pack into this thing? There's a KA band. It's a KA band satellite, multi-spot beam KA band satellite based on the highly reliable L1300 space proven platform, which provides the flexibility wow. to support a broad range of applications. You all this in your head, do you? Dude, I'm just, <laughs> I know it. And technology advances and I just know some stuff. It features you know, an entirely new architecture based on broad range of technology advances, including the mini <laughs> miniaturization of electronics. Okay. Miniaturization, miniaturization. nine tons. Yes. Does that make sense? They're, they're still made of gold. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it features an entirely new architecture. So based we did look this up. Yeah. The KA band is a microwave band, microwave right. range. That's how it's sending beaming things back and forth to us. Yep. So that's coming up on the 26th. That's going to be a pretty wild launch. And they say approximately eight minutes after launch, Falcon Heavy side boosters will return to Earth and land on landing zones one and two. So we're going to take a look at how oh, that works. My, that's my favorite kind of landing for these things. Yeah. Side by side. That's so cool, Just man. Amazing. Keep in mind, these things are seven story buildings. Yeah. And they just gently place them back yeah. onto earth. And it's so it, cool. They, I love how the legs open the last second. Everything's just so well-timed. There's no, they don't cover or anything. They just come down at a very consistent rate and settle down to earth. So beautifully. Yeah. I am target. I, so I think about these landings and then I think about blue origins landings and I'm always afraid when blue origin lands its booster because <laughs> it bounces. These go like, if they bounce, do a yeah. little, these do a little tiny shuffle and kind of like a little tiny sway, but blue origins kind of like boink and you're like, Ooh. and in the cover, like they're not quite sure. Are we actually going to do this? And then boing, 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 boing. <laughs> <laughs> instead of gradually, slowly, like lowering your booster back. Okay. We get to the last, what? Seven feet or something. And those are, I don't know the actual size, but they're probably a quarter of the height of this. It's just completely different. Yeah. Stuff. It's so cool, man. Like we, we are literally living in the future. This is insane. This is something. This is a hat now. Yeah. Is, this is pretty normal. We expect these boosters to land. No problem tomorrow. Yeah. If something goes wrong, we'll be like, whoa. Yeah. Yeah. Our, we'll have questions for months, but yeah. And as you can see how big they are, you can see the architecture around it. These pipes are quite large. There's little buildings, there's fuel tanks, there's some ground systems here. All these things are quite large, but like you said, it's like a seven story building. Huge. It's gigantic. Yeah. And they just hover down. And you can see the top of the boosters. They have the, I forgot what they're called. The, the engines at the top that put the puff engines. <laughs> what are they called? I can't remember what they're called. Why can't I think of that? The pss, 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 puff engines. <laughs> so the little puff puffs at the top there that guide them in. I believe they're called the pss, yeah, the pss, pss. Yeah. You can see them guiding them in and they yep. go pss, 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 real fast too. Like Indeed. it's ridiculous how fast these systems go as you're landing a seven story building. So. Yeah, absolutely insane. Absolutely crazy that this is actually happening again because Falcon Heavy's gigantic still, but nine metric tons for a satellite. That yeah. makes sense. I don't so, know. It's yeah, it's made of lead. Thor's hammer is in there. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder how many more heavy launches we have. Falcon, Falcon heavy, heavy launches? Yeah, Falcon Heavy launches. I wonder how many more there are left because yeah. I think Starship takes it over. It's cheaper. I think launch Starship than it is Falcon Heavy. I think so too. I think reusable. 
I think three years. I don't think they'll. Re- I don't think they'll retire it. I think it'll be there for specific use cases. But I don't mm-hmm. think. I don't think we're going to see as many. I think once Starship is moon ready in the next few years, I think like the low Earth orbit stuff is going to be no big deal. So three years, you're thinking six launches, something like that. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, five six launches, and then that's it. Like I think. Unless, like I was saying, there's certain use cases for it, but I don't see why Starship wouldn't be able to do those use cases as well. Starship could do everything this thing can do and 10 times more. Yeah. And is it, maybe if there's something that's not big enough to go into a Starship, something that's just only needs a fairing for a Falcon Heavy or a Falcon 9. That's why I say you just pack it in, put it in the best dispenser and shoot it out as needed and send some more Starlinks up. SpaceX revolutionized rockets, so why wouldn't they revolutionize the delivery system as well? Yeah. If they're like, hey, if you want to launch out of Starship, you have to build your architecture for our device. It's like your phone. Like you have your, if you're going to build an app for a phone, you have to build it according to Apple's procedures. So if you're going to build a satellite for our rocket, you have to build compare according to our procedures. Yeah. Or you Um, can use the Falcon Heavy, but it's going to cost you three times as much. Yeah. Planned obsolescence. Good job, SpaceX. Good job. (laughs) They did it. Oh, man, they did it. They're a tech company. They did it. Steve Jobs would be proud. (laughs) I can't wait for Starship to have some DLC. Oh, yeah. (laughs) 99 cent DLCs. All right. Your satellite's up there now. In order to launch it, we're going to need another million dollars yeah we're gonna be a million dollar subscription plan per month (laughs) (laughs) or you can buy the one year subscription plan for 11 months yeah yeah Yeah, exactly so i think that's it for today i think we covered everything we want to cover so what we got out of this is that maybe they'll stack a ship on top of the booster and static fire it that's my takeaway from this, is that might be Maybe. a really interesting and exciting thing. And we're um, thinking a month or two for a launch. Yep. Yep. That'd be absolutely insane. I can't wait. I think it's going to be really cool. And I can't wait for the, just, it's going to be the most impressive thing if it actually works. Yeah. Very yeah, cool, man. Wait. Yeah. Same here. All right. I guess that's it. Bye, everybody. I don't have a goodbye screen because we're doing Bye-bye. this on a different thanks, platform. Will. Yeah. Thanks, Neil. And thank you for continuing to bring all this awesome info to all your fans. Yeah. Thanks to all the fans and thank you for helping out. And yeah, thanks to everybody for spending your time here with me today. Take care of yourselves and each other. Bye-bye.